Any good Englishman will tell you, tea is more than just a drink. Hi, I'm Bryant Wright, President of Sin Relief. You might already know or think you know just how important tea is to people living in what is or what used to be the British Empire. But in one African nation, this simple drink has taken on a whole new meaning. Great Commission Baptist partners working with Sin Relief are showing families in one Uganda community how to succeed in the worldwide big business of tea. This episode of Stories of Hope, however, is not about micro-businesses or global economies or marketing miracles. Yes, there were many farmers in this one Ugandan town who reached a point where they simply couldn't provide for their families anymore. And the training and help they're now receiving is in some cases life-saving. But when your Great Commission Baptist working with farmers in Uganda, the business of hibiscus tea is not just an end, but a means to an end. Here's this story of hope. Well, Uganda traditionally was a British colony and all the British influenced areas of Africa adopted black tea as one of their comfort foods. And so all across uh, British Africa, uh, you find tea as being a main drink uh, for the people. Sometimes you find the most fertile soil for growing a compassion ministry in a place where cultures collide. In Uganda, Many families are generational farmers, and tobacco is their main crop. But in recent years, constant tobacco farming has caused health issues for farmers who've spent years consuming their tobacco. It was one of the only ways they could smother their hunger pains. Farmers in Uganda needed a healthy new cash crop. It was their last, best hope for survival. That's why Send Relief started the Hibiscus Herbal Tea Project. We can introduce new crops that can provide income. And income provides for their families. It allows them to have education. It allows them to have shelter and food. If we don't help, we're gonna see mass migrations of people and all the stressors that that places on uh, communities where they migrate to. Stories of Hope is a podcast about pioneers around the world who are meeting physical needs and changing lives in Jesus' name. In this episode, Mark and Susan Hatfield are Send Relief directors and seasoned community developers in Sub-Saharan Africa. They discovered how a simple, unique strain of herbal tea could change the lives of farming families across Sub-Saharan Africa. This is episode number 59, The Power of Tea. To start off, the area that this project was carried out in is around the town of Arua, which is in the very north part of Uganda. And that area has been um, a key area for refugees coming in from uh, Democratic Republic of Congo, from South Sudan, from Central Africa Republic. And so there's over a million refugees in that area. And most of the attention on development, disaster response, and all that is going right now towards those refugees. So the normal population around Arua is not getting a lot of attention. So we were in, Susan and I were in Arua doing a community development training, 
And part of that training was with a Pioneers missionary, David Craig. That is Mark Hatfield. Mark and his wife Susan often partner with missions organizations in more complex projects, especially if long-term community development is involved. Not too long ago, that's exactly what they did when they asked David Craig for help. Mark knew the needs of families in northern Uganda were too big for any one person to meet on their own. So his desire was wanting to introduce a new crop that would be a cash crop for those subsistence farmers. Tobacco really has depleted the soils in that area. I think this project gives them the ability to be able to see that they can make, make changes and, and survive in, in that climate. This is when the Hatfields and David began brainstorming what healthy, lucrative alternatives their farming friends could begin working with. Hibiscus tea came up as a unique novelty. Hibiscus tea is more of a newer uh, type of drink for them. And this was a pilot project. It was to look at not just can people grow it, but can it be dried, can it be packaged, can it be marketed, and even can it be exported? Uh, not just for a domestic market, but for an international market. Uh, can it be a, a bigger cash crop than uh, just for the local market? The couple soon received an encouraging answer to their eager questions. Yes to all. And we have several boxes here uh, with us right now. I've got one in my hand I'm looking at. It's packaged very nicely, and it gives uh, the instructions for how to make a tea and uh, uh, two or three different recipes using cinnamon or honey. It's a very popular item there. They drink it hot and cold, and obviously when it's really hot in Uganda, it's really nice iced. Not only was the new crop a hit, but the farmers were able to buy a solar dryer with their profits. Solar dryers are food dehydrators that use the sun's energy as a power source. The original plan was to use that solar dryer just for the hibiscus tea project. But then the farmers had another idea. The solar dryer was essential for the hibiscus project. When they had dried all the hibiscus and they realized they had this capital item sitting there, this wonderful solar dryer, as Africans normally do, they begin to think, how can we use this? And in that area, jackfruit and banana and pineapple are uh, very prevalent. And we were fortunate enough to arrive after they'd come across uh, this idea of drying fruit in the solar dryer when it wasn't needed for hibiscus. As this project came to include financial planning and entrepreneur trainings, it eventually expanded to include women farmers as well. These women wanted to take hold of their futures by learning how to farm and start a tea business of their own. They did this through what's called a gender action learning system. Simply put, Mark and Susan taught husbands and wives how to work together for the good of the family. Uganda, unfortunately, is a lot like different African countries in that there is a lot of uh, domestic abuse in families and a lot of decision-making is made by the men with really not consulting their wives. A lot of the work, physical work, is done by the women. And so this gender action learning system talks about that, talks about how much more productive a family can be if the husband and the wife work together 
and make decisions together and uh, consult each other. They're really excited about this, these farmers. The, the gentleman who shared with us very happily showed us how his farm had produced more and done better working with his wife as a team. Our hope is that these families are still using these tools and methodologies that they learned to work together and to value each other as partners as they farm and as they raise their families. On one of our visits to one of the single lady farmers, she was showing us just the outside of her house, uh, which most of the houses in those areas this are grass thatched uh, roofed houses but she was able to afford a tin roof on her house, partly because of the income from growing the hibiscus, and she was very proud of that as she showed us her roof. Mark and Susan traveled to see many of the project's participants, and all were thrilled to be able to show them the fruits of their labor. One of the farmers we got to visit, his name was Gilbert. He very proudly showed us his hibiscus crop and talked about how he had been able to pay for the school fees for his children through that. One of the farmers who grew hibiscus quite successfully, I think he made the equivalent of around $240 uh, profit, which may not seem like a huge amount of money to the listeners, but uh, that is a huge amount of money when you're only making maybe $100. So uh, he used that not only for school fees, but he also started a beekeeping project from that profit. So the, the farmers who did implement this not only paid for basic necessities like food and school fees, but we were excited to see some of these other small businesses spin off. The Hatfields were floored time and again at seeing how far reaching the effects of this project were. Between budgeting and marketing trainings, entire communities were growing into agricultural hubs with booming economies. These trainings provided valuable opportunities to share the gospel and have important intentional conversations. The trainings did include Bible teaching, they included singing, they included prayer, and they were intentional to be able to talk about the Lord. 45, they reported, heard the gospel. It was a project that was definitely gospel-based. It was surrounded by prayer. So that was definitely an integral part of the project. To do that in a holistic setting where we share the love of Christ as we share in the problems that people are experiencing and we share the hope that we find in Christ is an important part of, of all the projects that we do but was an integral part of, of this project. Today, these farmers' children are back in school. Their wives are empowered with the knowledge needed to start their own businesses. The farmers themselves are consistently turning a profit, making it possible for them to keep food on the table for their children for years to come. Thank you for listening to this episode of Stories of Hope. If you'd like more practical tips on how you and your church can meet needs and change lives, visit us online at sinrelief.org. If you haven't already done so, subscribe to Stories of Hope you'll automatically get a new episode every two weeks. Go to Apple or Spotify podcast and search for Stories of Hope. And finally, if you've liked what you've heard here, rate us, leave a review on Apple Podcasts. That'll help other people find us and enjoy these stories too. This is Bryant Wright with Sin Relief. Join me in two weeks for another episode of Stories of Hope.